who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This movie, it, it, it set a new bar for spectacle in the 90s. For all the destruction and the mayhem, this movie is charming as hell. Good morning. Third best fictional president of the decade. How did you do that? I gave it a cold. That's one thing I do really appreciate about this movie. And like all these action movies in the 90s, like, you know, they all had to get a little creative and think on their feet. Ah! Is this movie a masterpiece of any kind? Hello, friends, and welcome to the Cinefix Top 100. I'm Clint Gage, and welcome to the first episode in our journey to talk about 100 of the greatest movies of all time. Joining me... Michael Calibro, IGN's director of video programming and frequent to semi-frequent contributor of well, it's they're long videos every time you, you yeah, put one on Cinefix, but I, I get the, I get a couple of Cinefix videos every year. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And also joining us, IGN's senior news editor and unabashed lover of Terminator Two, yeah, Alex Stedman. I can confirm both those things. Thank Great. you. Great. Yep. Cal, Alex, how are we doing? Good, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm hanging in. I'm excited to start a new show. Yeah. So, full disclosure, what we're doing here, I don't know if you guys got the same memo I did, but here's what happened. The three of us really sweated and stressed and ordered and reordered and compiled our personal top 100 movies of all time. Then our producer, Dan, decided he wanted to do it too and made a fourth list of his top he 100 movies. He didn't want to movies. get left out. He, no, he was, he was a little... <laughs> Who would, really? Yeah, he was sad about it. Um, but he also created some uh, who knows what kind of algorithm to compile and smush together all four of these lists into the Cinefix Top 100. Uh, he won't tell us how he did it, why he did it, or where any of these movies actually land on the list. We'll find that out. So at we the take end of the no show. responsibility for any. Absolutely of these. not. Right. Well, yeah. well all the yeah. opinions that we express, I think, are probably ours. But the reason that we're expressing them, that's Dan's fault. Yeah. How do I know that Dan isn't in your ear right now? He might. I think he me. is. I think he yeah. literally is. Yeah. I, to be honest, I've never, I've never met him in real life, so mm -hmm. it could be him. There's a voice in my he ear. He is our Bosley. But in the meantime, uh, Alex, Cal, and I, we are going to talk about a bunch of really great movies um, and then figure out exactly where they ranked 
on the weird compilation Cinefix Top 100 list uh, that the algorithm came up with. Yeah. Does that sound right? That is not Dan's Top 100. No, it's not no. Dan's Top 100. Although there are some choices on the on the Top 100 that I can imagine are just going to be like, Dan, did you do that? If you get mad about anything, put it, blame right, Dan. It's Dan. We're going to blame yeah. Dan yeah. for lots. Yeah. Uh, but enough about Dan. Let's talk about what we're here to talk about today, which is the very first movie, the very first episode we're talking about, Independence Day. Yeah. I D four. Great toy line. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did they make toys? Yeah, dude. Ever. They had like some real awesome. Oh yeah, those, those rocket ships. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can okay. believe that. All right. Well, Independence Day, of course, from 1996. Uh, Roland Emmerich directed, co-wrote with his producing partner Dean Devlin. Uh, of course, the two of them went on to blow up the world uh, several more times mm-hmm. uh, after kind of Independence thing. Day. Kind of turned into their thing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but this movie, it, it, it set a new bar for spectacle in the 90s, right? Like, it's it's a high that, that folks have been chasing ever since. Specifically the, them. Specifically yeah. them. Yeah. And and they've, they've gotten close a couple of times, but I don't think they ever quite... They never recaptured the magic. A lot of it, I think, is because this movie has an incredible cast, mm-hmm. too. It's like a scrappy ensemble with a couple heavy hitters kind of leading the way. But I, like, like we're talking about, Dean, Dean Devlin figuring out... Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich figuring out the most adorable way to destroy things, I think, is is kind of how I that. feel about this movie. Because yeah. this movie is charming for all the destruction yeah. and the mayhem. This movie is charming as hell. And it's 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 all about like the world coming together and like putting aside their political differences, like red and blue coming together to defeat the aliens. It's like it is weirdly wholesome. Vivica A. Fox voted for the other guy. Oh, she did. That's the, right. Yeah. Real, real fun, real fun moment. Yeah, in but the movie. it is, it is weirdly, there's a dog. <laughs> sure. like, <laughs> well, there's the dog, of course. There's the dog. I'm going to talk a lot about Boomer. Um, no, but it is like, it is in a weird way, very wholesome. And it's like inspiring if you allow it to be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the Iraqis and the Israelites, they share a Morse, <laughs> Morse code tapper to defeat the aliens. <laughs> Listen, I, I hope we can all come together like that yeah. if there is an alien attack. I don't know that we can, but I hope so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, and then talking about the cast too, I think you've got yeah. you've got Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum so. just at the front of the front and center of this cast, and they're they're both having a moment in the midst just for context of their careers. Yeah, but I was just gonna say, so like like Jeff Goldblum is like cruising, right? He's like yeah. at sixty five thousand yeah. feet, right? But this is like. Will Smith is still on the ascent. I agree. Because this is like part of the trilogy, yeah. right? Like last year was Bad Boys. Mm-hmm. This year it's gonna be it's gonna be in the pants day, and next year is gonna be Men in Black. Yep. And those those three. And then from yeah. there he starts getting into like Enemy of the State and yeah. then Ali, and yeah. he starts sort of you know he starts his ascent that way. But yeah, yeah. no, th- in terms of like leading blockbuster stuff, because this for for Goldblum, this is sandwiched between two Jurassic Parks. Yeah. Like he's just like, I'm going to be like, you know, a blockbuster nerd for the yeah. next couple of years. And he cashes in on it and he does an incredible job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think this is like, it's not only, I feel like Will Smith is kind of a standout, but he's also like, I mean, yes, there was bad boys, but there's a difference between being a cool cop and punching an alien directly in the face. Like there's a big mm-hmm. difference there. I think, I think this is really the movie that made him the action star that he was. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's the movie that every, like every audience loved it. And then yeah. men in black coming on the heels of this was that just cemented he was just everything. So cool. 
Like in this movie, he's so. He's cool. not still so cool. Hold on, we do have to acknowledge that Will Smith did not have a number one hit song at the time of this movie. But when oh. the Mission Impossible, like when the Men in Black movie came out, then then he hit that next level, right? Because then oh. he's just like, then he just starts releasing tracks to the music, yeah, or, or tr- music tracks to the movies. And like while Wild Wild West is terrible, the Wild Wild West song is incredible. And I would go as far as to say that they produce that entire movie just so that song could be like well, is, is that, that song. one of the reasons why he picks wild wild west over the matrix is it really <laughs> so he it wouldn't surprise me no this, this is complete conjecture so oh, he okay. can work with cisco to make that absolute classic 90s banger yeah but that that album millennium like that was like when i was eight years old i i had that banging we're, we're getting time. way yeah sorry way I, in I, the I love the millennium sorry <laughs> discography <laughs> big willie style yeah but I mean, the rest of the cast, though, like yeah. this is what I what I love about this movie is like it, it is a scrappy ensemble. You've got Bill Pullman and Robert Loggia and, and Judd Hirsch, who is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love Judd Hirsch. Mary McDonnell, Harvey Firestein, Harvey Firestein, James Fox Reb, is great in Vivica this, I think. Fox yeah. and James Rebhorn. And yeah. like just really like the like the the all star cast of oh that guy yeah yeah like and type from Arrested Development yeah I, right. her yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. egg. <laughs> yeah, I, this movie really helps with any games of like set, like six degrees of bacon, like where you're trying to like connect like actors to one another. If you ever played that kind of game, yeah. this movie comes up a lot. Right, it, yeah. it comes it comes really handy. Yeah. But um, so in terms of a uh, Roland Emmerich or any any of these, let's talk about Roland Emmerich or, or Will Smith. Are there any other of their movies that should be on the top 100? No, no, I don't think so either. Yeah, I'm this totally is the one. fine not having any other <laughs> Roland Emmerich films on there. I think, again, we've talked about this before, right? Like Roland Emmerich has approached it again, but not as a whole package movie. But like, let me put it this way. I will stand behind the L.A. destruction scene in 2012 yeah. as like one of the most awesome like city like city destruction scenes in the like post cgi era it holds up it holds up that I did movie a whole does video not, about that sequence that, <laughs> like, it's, wow. it's good that movie does not hold up but that sequence in and of itself yeah amazing yeah. Mm-hmm. when those old ladies crash that cadillac into the like yep. into yeah. the like raising earth and then the 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 poop truck falls right. off the <laughs> falls off the their limousine literally yeah. gets covered in shit yeah uh no roland emmerich in the art of escalating nonsense is is a real uh it's a real fun thing to watch like yeah. he really knows how to make things additionally bonkers to the thing that oh you it's witnessed. so silly yeah but i here's here's the other question like just before we get into sort of art of the scene stuff because there's a lot of really great miniature work and a lot of really great effects work mm-hmm. to talk about with this movie but before we get there is this movie a masterpiece of any kind can you throw the word masterpiece around and have it land squarely on independence day disaster films for sure <laughs> Yeah. I think the M words, uh, it's a, it's pretty, that's a heavy order. Especially for the first episode of this show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I personally would, but I think it, it deserves to be mentioned in the grand pantheon of action movies for sure. And apocalypse movies. Definitely. So what, let me ask you this question. If not this disaster movie, then what disaster movie? That's a good question. Oh, that's a good question. It's also strange to think of this as a just a disaster movie because it's yeah. an alien invasion movie. And like it's 
there's it's politics. sci-fi. Yeah. Well, you know, politics. Yeah. yeah, but this like the, it, it's it's got that like it's got that politics of not saying what party these people belong to yeah. in, in a movie. That's true. So, like, they're it's very, very like, like yeah, they're very clear about. We're not very being clear aware about there that. are two parties and yeah. two perspectives on things. We're not saying who's who and everybody's yeah. okay, right? Can we move on? Great, thank you. And yeah. then that's it. Oh, I want to get back to this disaster. This stu- like this is like the movie that spawned like a entire yeah. genre that like hit its peak in the '90s. Like this was like the tip of the wave, right? We got like. Like deep impact. We have Armageddon. Before you yeah. have that, 97. Yeah. So this comes out in 96. Yeah. 1997 has Volcano and Dante's yeah. Peak. Yeah. yeah. 1998 then has Armageddon and Deep Impact. So, oh, yeah. so which one of those movies is the masterpiece? <laughs> I don't know if any. I mean, Not Armageddon. to throw down a challenge to you right now. Armageddon I love. I will say. Um, well, we can talk. I, <clears throat> great we, use of animal crackers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Very memorable. Use the sexiest use of animal crackers in any movie of all time. Uh, that, that'll that be the movie list that that ends up on. Yeah. Top 10 sexy uses of animal crackers. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll talk about Armageddon more. And we can, we can just uh, move straight into the art of the scene section here now, I think. Because like this... We're not going to talk about how awesome Bill Pullman is. Name two other Bill Pullman movies. I can't. Oh, I can't. No, yeah. no he's pretty great. Yeah, he's a great uh, Lost president. Highway. Um and never seen it. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, we made That's it. Yeah, Bill Pullman. Rules. No, 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 no. Yeah. What was the San- the Sandra Bullock moment while you were sleeping? Look at Clint. I thought I you said it. you had bad recall. I frequently do, except for those two films. No. Apparently, yeah. those two films spent, live in my brain. I've spent my entire life constantly getting Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton confused. Right. Uh, yeah, a lot of people do. A lot of people constantly do. acknowledging that Pullman is the lesser Paxton. Yeah. Pullman is the lesser Bill. To <laughs> yeah. <you>? Yeah. <laughs> That's, okay. Yeah. No, I, I love Bill Pullman in this. Like, you can totally believe he's that, like, young, like, you know, idealist president who people, like, believe in. And he's, like, he's so weirdly calm, so much calmer than he should be. But, like, I guess that's why the people elected. I love him. I mean, he was a fighter pilot in the yeah. Iraq War. Yeah, he The was. first one. Yeah. What was it? Desert Storm. That's it. Yeah, yeah Desert Storm. <laughs> But like, come on, like, let's I'm be serious, pilot, right? Will third best along <laughs> in the air, third best fictional president of the decade, just of that decade, behind Harrison Ford, Air Force One. Yeah, which came yeah. the next year, right? So like, okay. he was technically for a brief moment in time the first best fictional president in the '90s, you and then what? all the better ones came after him. So he was probably the new bar that yeah that yeah. got other presidents to then. Yeah, yeah, and then like President Bartlett, and then uh, what was what was Harrison Ford's character's name? I have it written down here. Uh, James Marshall, James Marshall, President Marshall. So both of them came after Pullman. He sets a high bar. I actually won't. I won't argue with you on that. Like I think he's a great he's a great presidential actor in this. He's a shitty dad though. Oh yeah, not a great dad or or husband. Really, he's just like I gotta go fly a plane. I'm gonna just like leave my recently orphaned dot, like almost orphaned daughter here. That's that's a thing that science fiction movies have not been able to get away from ever, up to and including Captain Marvel. I had the same like. No, I'm gonna go fly in space and probably but, die. Like and, he has, and leave he my has, daughter right here. Like, he, has, it's, yeah. he has the best bone spurs excuse of any person <laughs> ever. Right? He's, he's like, but he's a pilot. Well, he belongs <laughs> in the <laughs> air. Because like he's just like, oh, I can't be a pilot. I'm the president of the United States, and my wife died. So like my daughter only has like one parent right. left. And he's like, yeah. nope, gotta get in the air. Well, they got yeah. enough planes, but they don't have enough people he, to fly them. I, am I the only one that rewatched this movie to for, to prepare for that? They they talk about this. There's a good reason for it. Wait, and I just recently a, a, a selfish reason for it. Well, yeah, you were even you know, a father, kind of, and you're yeah. advocating for for the bring uh, my kids for this. abandoning your child to go fly an airplane. But what kind yeah. of uh, if if you don't save the world, 
what's what's the point? He would have already saved it. He's president of the United States. He ordered the strike. But he doesn't have to be part listen, of it. Listen, so much of this movie is about men just doing manly things. Right. And that's what Bill Pullman's doing in this movie. He's just being and a that, man and a president. That's, like, that's just in this movie that that happens? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this movie is like the pinnacle of that. Like Will Smith just wants to go punch an alien and right. Jeff Goldblum wants to not smoke cigarettes and save the world. Like it's just men being he's, dudes. He's just trying to recycle. He's like a manly man. Like a man. <laughs> Everyone knows manly man. Like a big cycle. tough man. <laughs> Why you? David. I don't, me, I don't understand. Why you can't show someone else how to, how to plant the virus? Someone who is trained. Oh, no, no. Something may go wrong. I'm going to have to think quickly. Uh, adjust the signal. Who knows? Hey, you know how I'm like I'm always trying to save the planet? Chance. Let's let's get to how they made this this movie. So the, for for the art of the scene section this week, we're going to talk about this movie. It feels in my brain, in my memory, like a big CG spectacle movie. Mm-hmm. But really, like they use so many miniatures in this movie. Yeah, set like, the record, right? I, I believe so. Yeah, there it was a shocking amount of practical effects that went into this movie. And I think there's a the I mean, in terms of a brilliant moment in this movie, like. The first alien attack. Yeah. Like when the countdown runs, like it is, that is such an iconic scene. And I think frankly, for when it came out in 1996, it was a tipping point for CGI. Mm. I think literally, and even in the rest of this movie, I think they leaned, they, they leaned on CGI in, in ways that don't quite hold up like the first half of the movie, to be honest. No. But everything that came after the midpoint of independence day because we talked about armageddon earlier armageddon is leaning on cgi in ways that they couldn't in independence day and it does not hold up that movie looks like garbage because they were trying to do stuff with cgi that they weren't ready to do but independence day it was all it was the same deal with like movies like jurassic park and and terminator 2 where this early to mid 90s section of cgi wasn't quite ready yet and they were using it as a tool to accentuate their practical effects it was the only tool that could do one thing and they subsequently only used it for that one thing right like in jurassic park it's like oh you need to see the tyrannosaurus's feet great well we have to make that tyrannosaurus cgi but anything that gets closer yeah yeah. sorry it's got to take a step over there like okay that'll be cg (laughs) that'll be cg but we're only going to use it for that you need a pupil i can make that for real yeah yeah no but and that's what so like all of the building they did some like fascinating stuff and, and and some of the behind the scenes documentaries of like the making of independence day mm-hmm. like at this point are almost more fun to watch than the movie like because i the movie i lives in my brain rent free forever yeah. I, I don't remember not having this movie memorized but then uh these behind the scenes stuff like every new one i, I track down on youtube it teaches me something new it's it's so much fun yeah like, one of my favorite parts of those is right when you watch them like what is it the uh the new york right where they blow up where they blow up the uh, Empire State Building, mm-hmm. right? And then you see like the cars like fly up. From, I like, do thing, enjoy that right? too. Yeah. So like you you watch them shoot that on like the blue screen, and yeah. they're using like a like a like a leaf blower to like blow matchbox cars like up at yeah. the camera, yeah. and then like the reverse shot is like the reverse shot is like actual real world and they just clearly have like cars suspended by a crane and then they <laughs> just drop straight yeah, and just yeah. drop the car yeah. so it's like yeah. throwing a matchbox car and then match cutting to like yeah. a real yeah. car just being dropped five feet well yeah. and, and doing even doing that I, I saw one where when those for those cars flipping 
you know, they were leaf blowing it up and like at the camera. And I saw one interview there's a guy named, his name is um, Chris Simmons. He was one of the model makers on the, on the show. he has this great quote about how Roland Emmerich was daring them to hit the camera. Like you hit the lens, like they had plexiglass in front of it, but he's like, yeah. I want you to hit the lens with these matchbox cars. And those were the plates that they then added to. So it was, a, it was all, you know, CG to combine the things on top of each other, but the elements that they were combining were all done practically, which yeah. was, was super cool. And, and I think that's why those scenes hold up. Like for me, like the ones that don't really hold up are the ones where they're kind of inside that alien spaceship. And so much of it is CG. Exactly. Like those are the ones that look kind of goofy now. Yeah. Like, yeah, the seams, the seams for sure show on, yeah. on that stuff. But then also in that, you know, looking at the fireball just sort of sweeping across the cityscape, the way that they did that was really fascinating because they, they built a cityscape, a model cityscape, and then they hung it vertically and then started a fireball at the bottom that went straight up the cityscape. And then they just, you know, filmed it sideways. So it looks like a fireball is moving across a city, which was just, it's one of those things. It's like, those are the most brilliant people of all time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it takes so much like creativity. It takes takes so much like ingenuity. And I like, that's one thing I do really appreciate about this movie. And like all these action movies in the nineties, like, you know, they all had to get a little creative and think on their feet. And it's just like, you know, that scene actually looks really cool. Yeah. You know what I, you know what, like I also think is like, what struck me this time is like, how they did this was actually really, really fascinating, which is like how they demonstrated scale after like the mothership, right? Like, uh, goes over the moon mm-hmm. and then it cuts to that satellite dish. Like the satellite just kind of like going toward it as like the ship is like kind of eclipsing the whole shot. And you're just like, all right, hit the ship already. Yeah. Hit the ship yeah. already. Hit it the disappears ship. into yeah. a shadow. Yeah, it yeah. disappears to like nothing. And then like three seconds after you definitely acknowledge to yourself that you can't see it anymore, then it explodes. Yes. And yeah. it's this tiny little right. explosion. Yeah. And then they do the same thing too, right? With like the miniatures that they subsequently later destroy in like the action sequence, right? But like the like using the French flag to like go over the miniature. So you just see this shadow slow rolling over these like really big things. Yeah. And specifically that shot of like the washington monument right so like oh i know exactly what you're talking about yeah all of like the ground gets shadowed and then you just like watch as it like slowly starts to climb up the washington yeah that shot had to take like what 10 minutes to shoot yeah and it just it's so effective at showing just like how insanely large these ships are yeah well, the, like the use of shadows is one of my favorite things in this movie because like one of the things i will actually really give this movie a lot of credit for is how much it builds tension leading up to like the actual alien attack and that scene where you just see like the shadows overtaking the like the u.s is like it's incredible yeah well and the, the alien attack it doesn't happen for 45 minutes I know, 45 minutes into the movie, movie. Yeah. before the aliens actually attack but and by the time they do like we are the audience as an audience you're just so primed for something terrible to happen yeah and then this and then like the thinking about it in that term is actually even more impressive because it's like you spend 45 minutes building up to this moment and then you do the moment and then it's even more impactful than than it could have been yeah like it's 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 crazy but i mean going back to the idea of independence day being kind of a watershed moment for for cg and in I don't know, theoretically a bad way. I, I, I also don't, don't blame, don't bl- like, don't kill the messenger. I mean, no, 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 I'm, I'm not blaming Independence Day for anything. I, I'm blaming everybody else who came after it. But one of the, I, I did stumble across another quote from this, this guy, Chris Simmons. He's, he said, back then there was no way to change your mind because like 
And that to me, like really illustrates the point of leaning on CG as a crutch yeah. the way that they did in the rest of the nineties. Whereas like you literally had to do it right. And he was talking about it in reference to only blowing up these buildings, these models. They only did it maybe once, mm-hmm. twice, twice, if they were lucky. Probably. Yeah. Because it would take three weeks yeah. to build a new one and to do it again. And they just couldn't do that. So like the idea that you get it in camera or you don't. Yeah. And that's it full stop. And so that's when you start getting creative about like, how am I going to show how big this thing is? Like, well, what if I show a shadow crawling up, you know, the, the Which Washington is not expensive. and it's all you need to no. do is have a shadow, you have come a model and, yeah. a, and a flag and yeah. you just you go like this, like, yeah. you know, um, but that, that idea of you, you can't change your mind. is is i think i think really fascinating and really really a testament to like how hard these guys had to work yeah to nail it on the first or second try and to pull it off in a way that holds up you know what are we 30 years later now like it's it's incredible and it's it's funny because i i feel like cg is all like often seen as the more expensive option but like practical i mean yeah if you miss it you miss it and then you got to do it again and that's expensive and that's timely and it's like it's it's can be really tough it's often the best way to do things but it can also be really freaking hard But I, I, and it holds, it holds up because there's a texture yeah. to it. There's a tactileness to it that, you know, it's something being actually photographed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But every time I think my job is high pressure, it's like, well, I don't have one shot to blow up a building. So you know. <laughs> that's true. I'm just missing a story. It's that's not the end true. of the world. I can get Taking it later. Taking that quote out of context also is <laughs> we'll make sure, we'll make sure they watch the whole episode. <laughs> Uh, anything didn't work for you? Anything just too cheesy to... I mean, the whole movie is super... Like, I feel like if you're going to say, whoa, like... hang on a second. <laughs> you're going to have to narrow it down. What do you, what it's do you mean? It's so difficult. <laughs> um, here's the thing. I don't... It is so cheesy, but I also love it. Right. And I brought it up earlier. The scene where Will Smith just punches the alien in the face. It is both my favorite scene and also one of the cheesiest I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, and they, they actually put a, put a clock to it later... When they pull up to Area 51, he yeah. pulls up with the thing. And he's like, how long has he been unconscious? About three hours. It's like, you knock that an alien unconscious for one three punch? hours? With one punch. I get it. He's a big, <laughs> And he's got like man. a biomechanical yeah. suit over like through. You're basically like punching somebody in the side of a football helmet. Yeah. And knocking them unconscious for three hours. But like if you don't accept. I guess he, yeah. I guess he was just recently in a plane crash too. He's, he's oh, all, yeah. He was he's, already he's, like he's, concussed yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I suppose that helped. But still. Yeah. Cruising on adrenaline right yeah. there. But like if. If you can't accept that scene, you can't accept that movie. Like, if you don't accept... And, like, the other thing is, like, again, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is... So, you're trying to say you can't understand how an angry Will Smith just punched someone out? <laughs> well... We knew back then, and yeah. we did nothing. Yeah. We did nothing as a <laughs> yeah. society. Yeah. I mean, it just speaks to how tough Chris Rock is. Um, yeah, true. But the, one of the things that, that actually strikes me about this movie is um, how... People still thought the idea of aliens was crazy after the aliens showed up. And there are two yeah. two examples of it. Number one is when Judd Hirsch is like, oh, no, you guys know. You guys got Area 51. You yeah. got the body. And everybody's like, hey, crazy old timer. Like, there's no such thing. That's insane to yeah. think that Area 51 is. He's like, no, actually, Area 51 is. And then the other thing that happens is at the end when uh, Randy Quaid – is like I, I just want to say uh, I'd like to get some uh, revenge ever since I was abducted by aliens and you're like oh this crazy asshole thinks he was abducted by aliens and it's like no no he he was like yeah. aliens exist like why are you still looking at these people like they're crazy right 
And like, that's another thing that does, again, doesn't really hold up, but I also like it is the whole Russell case character. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's this character that has had something terrible (laughs) happen to him and no one believes him. Yeah. And you're right. Right. Even after the aliens and after the aliens actually showed up and blew up the world. And he gets, you know, he gets his moment and everything. Um, But no, I, I, and like one thing that always kind of gets me too is how, and I think this is just because the idea of aliens is so far fetched is how like calm so many of them are, like, especially within the white house like when bill pullman's just like yeah we're gonna stay hunkered down here it's like you should probably go somewhere you're the president but it's like i don't know i wouldn't be that calm if there were literal alien spaceships above well, that's me. why you should be president i guess did randy I quaid get a statue in the sequel did they give him a statue i never saw the sequel <laughs> i don't think randy quaid got anything <laughs> for the sequel <laughs> he should he saved the world no he did yeah i, I think was it i can't remember if they if they there was addressed no mo- russell there, case there was no monument to randy quaid <laughs> it's, it's actually not Russell Case. It's just Randy. It's Quaid. just Randy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Uh, no one remembers. So re, it's okay. Yeah, no one remembers. Yeah, no one remembers I, I'm frankly, and I'm not going to no, go back I, to. I check. thought it was. Yeah. I was. Co- I thought it was called Resurrected. So the fact that it's actually called re- Resurgence. resurgence. Listen, <laughs> I'm like seventy percent sure it's called Resurgence. We could both be right. <laughs> um, <laughs> resurgence resurrected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think of the ship design of the aliens? Oh, I think I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. You know what I what I like most about it is the sound design. Actually, how so? Well, it's not like a it's not like a whooshy jet, like a powerful engine kind yeah. of sound. Yeah. It's like that, like sort of. It's I, it feels like a mouse to me. It's like okay, you know, it's like kind of like higher it's that pitch, kind of like digital. Futuristic yeah, yeah, yeah. Take, it, yeah. It feels like they thought about like what is an engine that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah, like what would that sound like? And you the know? answer is like some sort of weird like anti gravity floaty. Thing. You know what we haven't talked about yet? The aliens themselves. Like, I actually think they look pretty dope. Pretty dumb? Dope. Dope. Okay. Yeah. The opposite. Good. Yeah. Thank I think God. The, yeah, I know. I would <laughs> cancel the whole show. Yeah, no, no I actually think they look fairly scary. Yeah. Yeah. For like, especially for the time, like when, like with how slowly they move, they're the, in the grand scheme of movie aliens, they're pretty good aliens. I mean, well, here's here's another scene that no, we're talking about. Tax aliens, but they're no right. signs. Yeah. Well, they sort of are, right? They have that little gray man kind yeah. of general shape mm-hmm. to them, but then they're they put them in that biomechanical yeah, suit yeah. thing, and then they they give them like the weird tentacles. But in terms of of another brilliant moment, I think when the alien when they have the alien that Will Smith knocked out mm-hmm. and he wakes up in the in the lab and starts killing everybody like that's a legitimately scary yeah no i i agree and i i'm glad you brought that up because i forgot to and i wanted to it's where that movie goes a little bit horror and it's also where they establish like because you're not really sure like you feel like bill pullman is so charismatic that maybe he can talk the aliens out of it (laughs) but i like that that scene is like no they're here for death they're here for war and i also like i I feel like an underrated character is dr oaken like he that dude just loves his job died died doing what he loved i think no, he didn't. He shows up. In oh, he's in a, he's in a coma right. for 40 years. That's right. Well, he almost died doing yeah. what he loved. Yeah. yeah. He got uh, critically injured, I guess we could call yeah. it. But I don't know. Looks pretty dead. Um, but that, that sequence, too, is is really cool. And also, like, all of the tentacles just flying everywhere. It's and the, very alien. the smoke and the yeah. sparks flying and the lights flickering and, like, the big full-size actual alien and you just know that he's just on a dolly and yeah. not, nothing is moving except for the tentacles yeah. just kind of being slid across the floor and you shoot that just right and you like hold the camera and kind yeah. of shake a little bit and have people scream and like add some smoke and you're done and that's it's one of those like it's an it's a it's a simple thing to say and if, 
to go back to the to the behind the scenes thing that I saw, there was another the the lead model maker was saying stuff. It was um, let's see if I can find his name real quick because I wrote it down. A guy named Mike Joyce, uh, who did everything from Star Trek the motion picture, and I actually worked on Terminator Two. Also, he was one of the model makers there. Yeah, but um, the way that his approach was so like just kind of pragmatic and like yeah no I, I mean all you got to do is build a you build a model and you blow it up like, yeah you know and then you're done yeah and it's it's just like like the it's it's such a like a blue collar craftsmanship to go into some like you know i, I think it's easy to, to think about filmmaking as like filmmaking yeah. you know but he's like nah, you know i built the, i built the white house and then we blew it up yeah anyway, well, i mean that. like that's the beauty of it right because yeah. yeah. like with those like cgi people it's like well the explosion looks fake you know, and it's just like, oh, well, maybe it's too red here or like it moves too fast. Like these models, it just like blows up. Yeah. You know, can't throw, argue with it. <laughs> That's what happens. Throw some firecrackers in there, a little gasoline, you know, just. Yeah. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> but I do. And the thing is, like speaking to like practical effects, I feel like that alien emergency, the one that we're talking about when they like he comes out of the lab. I feel like that is one that holds up. That is one that is still scary and not cheesy, I think. Yeah, no, I, I do too. And and especially, you know, to follow that up with the like the idea of it talking through open that's ESP a great concept. Yeah, I that, like that concept. Yeah, that's not a, a thing that I'd ever seen before. Yeah. And we haven't since, you know. The whole like telepathy idea with the aliens, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. Can there be a peace between us? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. During Women's History Month, come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast, Thread the Needle. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. I think we can move on to our movie list ah. section. Do we have anything else we need to talk about? Any other brilliant moments you, that you want to talk oh, about? Oh, I do. I do Great. really Let's like... Yeah, I also have to call out the very end of the movie where Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith are walking across the desert with their cigars and their 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 women are running towards them. And it's so cheesy, but you kind of have to like add it in there as one of the great scenes of this movie. Thanks to those cigars. It's the cigars. I, any, I, it's any, a good motif. Yeah. yeah. Any long lens looking across salt flats, like yeah. that's it's like a cheat code for a cool mm -hmm. shot. Yeah. It's it one really of is. it's one of two like cheer worthy moments, I feel, are in the movie. The other one is really where the dog escapes getting burned up. <laughs> where yeah. she's like boomer and then you just have that great super and like in the background maybe doesn't look so great now but like just that little lab jumping yeah, and yeah. i mean and, and jumping from like the roof of cars yeah. do they talk about that in the making of documentary because that animal had how to they be, got boomer yeah they got, boomer, they got boomer the dog to, to, to do some that kind of stuff I, I i feel like he was he wasn't running on actual cars at all like no, i think that I was i think that was 
honestly, Boomer running across the cars might have been the biggest stretch of CG that they did in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't surprise me, like getting a dog to to at least sort of realistically look like it's running across. Yeah. Oh cars. no, they definitely did that. Having having just watched a lot of like how they did the dog fight in John Wick Three Parabellum. You can, uh, you, can, yeah. you can get a dog to do that. No oh, you problem. get a dog yeah. to run to run anywhere. Me, but like the give fact some that guy a couple of weeks, you can get that dog. A lot, to but the fact that they were jump. doing that and a lot of those cars were also blowing up and flipping. Yeah, I was like, I was like, you know, I want the dog to live, and I'd be really sad if it didn't. But realistically, that dog would not live. What, Boomer. Boomer. Yeah. No. I mean, he was kind of he was kind of a badass. I will say, good yeah. dog, badass. Good boy. He's a yeah. good. He's a good boy. Yeah. Um, and then hunkering down in just a closet in the side of that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's in just like Sepul- a maintenance room in, in, on the Sepulveda Pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, it's one of those. It's one of those scenes that didn't need to be there, but you know, I thought it was. I cheered. Well, yeah. I mean, if you, it's it's Chekhov's dog, right? Except yeah. it's, it's the opposite. <laughs> if you introduce a dog in the first act yeah. of a disaster movie, you need to show that dog surviving. Yeah, you do. And you like, see him at the end of it, it in the truck when they're meeting up with yeah, Jeff oh, yeah. Goldblum and Will Smith. He's in the truck with his family. Oh, the, the only other thing I wanted to talk about, too, is and this is sort of a cheesy thing, but this is a thing about the mid 90s, too, where I think this movie really, really kind of sings for me mm-hmm. is like I feel like our relationship with technology in the mid 90s was such that like we we know we have cool stuff. Yeah. We're not sure how cool how much cooler it's going to get yet. Yeah. Right. Like that. there was a moment where we were like, this is incredible. And it's highlighted to me when they're parked outside the White House and Jeff Goldblum says, Pops, this is every phone book in America. Like it's <laughs> like it's just line. this incredible like, yeah. oh, my God, has like that's that is a line of exposition that shows how tech savvy Jeff Goldblum is like yeah. for Jeff Goldblum to have access at his fingertips to every phone book in america that means he's going to be able to outsmart aliens later like that's I that's mean, what we're establishing with now that. we all have the technology yeah. to outsmart aliens apparently yeah. Yeah. and then he does the thing about i can triangulate her exact position in the white house where he's got this little like satellite dish that he puts on the roof oh my god yeah I, and i still don't really <laughs> just talking more about the technology i still don't get the technology the science behind the whole give the robot or the rocket a cold thing but you know oh wait oh yeah that's right that's right so like computers were just coming out right so yeah the masses probably didn't have pcs in 1996 so no one knew what a computer virus was so yeah. you have to right. you have to explain a computer yeah. virus to people like they don't own a computer which yeah. is kind of yeah it's yeah. kind of creative. well but i think that that I gives you a lot that. of yeah that honestly yeah. that's the only reason that the movie works right yeah. is because nobody really because no one because no, no one went facts. to go see hackers the year yeah. prior. exactly yeah. exactly but i do love that like, like Jeff, i'm sorry yeah. don't you have to get on a payphone to uh <laughs> to give somebody a virus yeah, yeah. that's my understanding of computers you, you have to cough to on the computer that. yeah yeah <laughs> but the idea that that we were in this space of just like you know i don't know we can just say computer virus and no one's gonna think twice about it and you're not they weren't wrong and frankly like it's an example of things in movies that you kind of take on some shorthand, right? Mm-hmm. You take, you kind of just, you, you gloss over it. And if you think about it and if you pull on the thread, it doesn't work because it's like, wait, so wait, hang on a second. Are they, you're talking about aliens are using Linux. And so you're able to communicate yeah. with it. Like, you know, they have, they have apples in space also. Yeah. yeah. I mean, shit, man, when you say it that way, right? Like we had a sat, like we had a satellite dish on earth orbiting earth that was like the hubble space telescope yeah we couldn't find the alien in, until they passed the until moon. they got to the moon <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until they exactly the moon. so the, there's all kinds of stuff like that, that yeah. you can you can tug on on that stuff and and the movie might fall apart for you but the movie it, it's so charming and so yeah. well made otherwise that you don't care and i don't, I don't think you yeah. should care and that's, and that's why yeah. the movie holds up even though like 
you know, having every phone book in America is, is just like, that is the worst brag. But for 1996, it was it was great. And it was fine. Everybody's like, oh, oh, shit, wow. Yeah, but that's kind of like the epitome of this movie, like, to me. It's like you like you have to just embrace it for what it is. Like, it is so silly and so goofy. It's like, you know, like, yeah, it's the whole give of the thing a cold. It's kind of silly, but it leads to, you know, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum having a cigar in a, inside of an alien spaceship. And if you don't embrace that, then you're just you're not having fun. And again, I really like the cigars as another character in this movie. Motif. Yeah. Smoking is always cool in movies. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. As a non-smoker, I'm just going to say it. All right. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I, I have, cigars, I I have the lung capacity to say that. Yeah. Smoking, Smoking is, is always cool. Always yeah. cool. cool. Yeah. Um, any other any other brilliant moment business that we need? To Are take we going to talk about the uh, Independence Day speech? Oh, we have. We can. I can't believe we almost we moved on without can. talking about the speech. We got to talk about. The singular greatest moment in Bill Pullman's I think, career. Yeah. I think we can. I think we can talk about that in terms of like what. Like, let's talk about what lists parts of or this entire movie should end up on on Cinefix. And I mean, top ten speeches of all time, right? I it's think, honorable mention. You think it's an honorable mention? Wait, what would I, be I definitely think it's an honorable mention. But top ten speeches, like you're gonna put. I, I love this speech. Make no mistake. Like whenever I hear today, we celebrate our independence. I got chills by you so saying good. it just now, and you're kind of halfway yeah. making fun of it. <laughs> just like you know, like reading about it. Apparently, they were not told the to clap. When he actually delivered that speech, how can you not? And they just did it. Yeah, like that. That was that was improv. Like apparently, improvisation. Yeah, apparently yeah. it was also supposed to be rewritten. Yeah, like they it was a placeholder speech, and they just oh. forgot to replace it. Now that's just capital A acting. Yeah, like he just delivered it so well that like they couldn't they could not do it. No, I love that. I mean, that speech literally set the bar for two future fake presidents to come and yeah. overcome it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Especially after everything, like there, there's so much that happens in this movie that I like forget about until I really sit down and think about it. But like you go through all that and then you end it with that speech, like that is absolute. I feel like that's yeah, in top again. It's an, well, and even the speech itself, like I like how it starts with the mic feedback a yeah, little bit. Like, yeah, he's not he holds he, the wrong. Yeah. yeah, he's not not doesn't really want to do that. I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna say a few words. And then by the time he gets to the end of the speech, like he's as into it as anybody yeah. else is. Like it's an incredible speech. And that's one of the reasons why he's such a good movie president. Like you totally believe you would like cheer for that guy if he was on your TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any other list that I mean, obviously disaster movies. Yes. Yeah. This, this should be this should be on there in terms, especially in terms of like, I don't know, disaster movies that sort of borrow from other genres because it's very. I mean, obviously it's sci-fi. Yeah, I was just going to say sci-fi. I will say this. As the guy who wrote the top 10 practical effects one, it did not make that list. However, I will say it didn't make that list because I figured there was enough miniature entries for miniatures to have its own list and thus not be a category on the best practical effects one. And it would very much be ranking high on the miniatures Quite list. Quite the rabbit hole you went down. I, I, I think that it would be... thousand words on that. Yeah. yeah it was long. <laughs> it, was, it was lengthy. Uh, we could probably... I mean, I, that was top 10 miniature effects yeah. of all time. Like, yeah. this one's got to be on... I mean, I you would take your that. pick. Any of them. Which one would it be? Like, what was the most impressive miniature in this whole thing? Oh, because we also didn't bring this up, right? Uh, the Statue of Liberty is the most impressive miniature. A, yeah. because it's awesome as the Statue of Liberty. And then B, they recycle it at the end of the movie because that's what Randy Quaid flies his plane into when the ship explodes. Great moment. Great. Mm-hmm. And I didn't bring that up before, but I loved that moment. Yeah. I, I really like Randy Quaid in this movie. I don't know. 
<laughs> but no, I, I yeah. What, what are you saying? He, he, that's what he flies his ship into? Plane, mm. right? So you remember when he like, he's like, hey guys, it's Yo, me. Yeah, yeah, no. and, and, yeah. he, and he flies it up to like the tip of like the weapon. Oh, and That is actually the Empire State Building shot that they just comp oh. in there as the, and they just recycled it. That's great. And you don't like know it until you really look at it. And then now, yeah, now that's all you'll ever be able to see. So that's probably the best shot. Yeah. I think that's a very good specific list though. Best top 10 mini uses in movies. I think I would put it definitely in top 10 Will Smith movies for sure. Uh, Oh, top one Will Smith movies. Yeah. Well, I guess what would beat it? Bad boys. Maybe. Maybe. I I don't like it. I like bad boys too. Better than yeah. Bad boys. I do really like I am legend. Is that? No. No. <laughs> wow. Okay. I I think I might like it better than Independence Day for Will. It's okay. just such a cool role. He's just so cool in Independence Day. Yeah. I mean, you have to to break down the ten different types of Will Smith movies. Yeah. Um, you really do. It's a genre. <laughs> I, you know, there's the high frame rate uh, clone Will Smith movies. Yeah. Uh, that was the Ang Lee movie. That was yeah. a hell of a that was a hell of an experiment. That was a weird. Yeah. That was a weird moment. Um. What uh, I'm trying to it, it hasn't I don't think it's shown up on any on any lists like I'm sure it's been the honorable mention on a handful of yeah. of lists uh, it hasn't has been the, an actual has we've the done li- the things the li- you didn't know we've done homemade like I said earlier I, I I talked about Roland Emmerich for a whole thirteen minutes one time I, I about mean you it. could yeah has um, the Library of Congress not deemed that movie culturally or aesthetically significant yet I mean it is a very patriotic movie even though the whole I, world is being being destroyed like America's America is kind of the main character if yeah. you guys if you guys want to discuss its merits of being inducted not inducted but uh, committed to our national memory real quick. I'll look that up. Yeah. You know, I, I am not going to die on that hill. Uh, I'm fine with it not being in the I mean, history. it's, it's Roland Emmerich's second most American movie. Behind, I mean, he does have the Patriot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Behind, behind the Patriot starring yeah. the most American Australians we have ever seen. Yeah. yeah. So many Australians behind the Patriot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do think in terms of what I was talking about earlier, everyone kind of coming together, like it is, it is that lovely American movie. Also, you know? to your point, right? Like one of the things, like I do think that this has like the best, some of the best sea level characters, right? Like ah, that's what I'm saying. Har- There's so many great bit players. Har- Harvey Firestein. We have not, frankly, yeah. given him enough time on no. this pod. And while Clint looks up to see if it is actually I, in it doesn't the seem Library like it of Congress, I, I don't, we're going to talk about how great Harvey Firestein is. All right. He yeah. has like four lines. You know, he like tries to save his mother. He screws over his lawyer and then he dies sitting on like Fifth Avenue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in traffic. In traffic. Like a real New Yorker. Yeah. And he's just like, he just David. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Well, that's the thing about there's this movie. There's so many like great little players in it that it's easy to forget someone, but then top, you're watching it again. Top 10 ensembles. I, I actually, it's, a, it's in the, in the running. I think, I think it'd have to be. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, we're sitting here gushing about every little bit player. That's I don't know. In this. I don't know. Like, it, does, I, it does have Harry Connick Jr. Who just like, no time around. Just like, listen, get, there's get a, get away from there's me. an exception that proves every rule. Exactly. Uh, but no, I mean, to your Harvey Firestein point, like that's this, 
this cast is so chock full of like really specific and really recognizable people. Yeah. And whether or not they were at the time, like some of them, uh, you know, Will Smith is on his way up. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Bill Pullman wasn't the name. A lot of people got bigger because of this movie. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, it's easy to look at. He's like, oh, you got that guy and that guy and that guy. Yeah. But like between Robert Loja being like, yeah. oh, he's everybody's grandpa and he's Robert yeah. Loja and he's tough guy, you know. And then there's uh, James Rebhorn, who is like that f- worm in every movie james redhorn like yeah. he made a career out of those roles uh and he did them so well and so iconically that like the way the reason like these have to be all the first choices i yeah. want to believe that they are the first choice for each of these roles i i want to like because like you know for all the things i will criticize about this movie the flaw the casting is flawless yeah. like i have no no notes about the uh, casting. we do have <laughs> notes it's called harry connick jr okay no, but he's supposed you're supposed to not want to like him in that. No, he's supposed no, to be the he's, comic uh, relief he's of his friend. He's, he's supposed to be, yeah. yeah, he's supposed to be like we're supposed to feel it when he dies. Yeah, and I, uh, yeah, I think we kind of do. But no, you I, don't. Yeah. Now he got Martin Lawrence in there. You know, <laughs> Martin yeah. Lawrence. Yeah. No, no one would buy. That. No one would. No one would buy that Martin Lawrence was a fighter pilot. But you would at least feel <laughs> for him when it. he dies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I unlike Harry Connick Jr. Unlike Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, aside from Connick, here, I, I, the casting is impeccable. You need to, like, kiss some serious booty to get ahead in this world, man. That's what I'm trying to tell you. See, I like the one-knee approach because it puts the booty, like, right... Um, I, I do think we can transition straight from that into, into some things you didn't know because there is some casting uh, about, specifically, that Harry Connick Jr. role. Go apparently, on. Apparently, Matthew Perry... That would have been great. Could he be anyone's Harry Connick Jr.? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to, I'm so sorry, I had to Matt, do that. Matthew Perry, about as believable of a fighter pilot as Martin Lawrence, but still. That would have been great for his career, too. Matthew no, Perry. That would have been like peak uh, friends, too. Yeah, right? that, that would have yeah. been right yeah. in the middle of friends. I bet the, I bet the I think reason that they I, didn't get him is because Matthew right. Perry was too big for it. That, yeah. Well, or like no, just to this shooting cast, schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And typecast. But that's the thing. It would have been so good for his career because that would have, I mean, it's still kind of typecast. Because, like, I don't know, like, did you guys ever watch Band of Brothers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still can't like see David Schwimmer as like that asshole like like guy. David Schwimmer is because he's fucking <laughs> Ross Geller, and no. like I feel like I would I'd feel the same way about Matthew Perry in this Henry Connick mm-hmm. Jr. role, despite the fact huge improvement over Harry Connick Jr. You really have it out for Harry I was Connick Jr. Say, I don't. I didn't think he was that I bad. Didn't, I, didn't I mean, like either. I didn't really buy. I, did, I when he died, it wasn't like the, a big mm-hmm. loss because, like, also there was a weird thing happening in that scene where, like, everybody was dying in that yeah. scene. Like, there's such mass casualty yeah. in this section no, that, yeah. like, getting one more character to go, like, I wasn't no, that like, big of a deal. The mass casualty and like, like the whole reason that Harry Connick Jr. I think is in this movie is right to set up the disappointment in Will Smith's character that he isn't going to be an astronaut so that like he has that full character arc when he actually gets to fly the spaceship into space and subsequently become an astronaut. Like that whole scene is like just like Harry Connick Jr. was hired to just basically be like, I don't think you could fly the space shuttle if you marry a stripper. (laughs) Which is like great and terrible line, by the way. No. (laughs) One of my favorites and least favorites. That scene just sucks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's this? Oh, that's nothing. Hold on, oh, man. What is this? Jasmine kind of has a thing for dolphins. I don't know. Stevie, this is a wedding ring. I thought you said you were going to break the whole thing off. Yes. 
Man, you know I really like Jasmine. You know that, right? Man, you're never gonna get to fly the space shuttle if you marry a stripper. Especially because like an engagement ring yeah. is, has a dolphin on it. Which oh, I was way, like, I was watching like, that movie with my wait, wife, wait, and she was just like, "If you ever got me a ring that looked like that, I, I would know, say she's no. got a thing yeah. for dolphins yeah. or whatever." It's I, like yeah. this is an engagement ring. It's like, how did you know that? Yeah, like, this is not an engagement. <laughs> it's ring. just a ring with it's a dolphin a on it. Just a ring with sir. a dolphin on it. Like, uh, but like, no, I didn't even go to James Avery to get that. Like, that, <laughs> where did where did he get that? I don't know. A dolphin ring. Um, no, but I would have loved Matthew Perry in it. Like, I don't hate Henry Connick Jr., but uh, Matthew Perry would have been great. Harry Connick, yeah. I, Harry it's, Connick, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't buy Matthew Perry in that role. I don't no. think I would have no, cared as much about Matthew Perry. But you would have cared, I don't think I cared more about his death. I really don't. Because, like, I think, I think he would have been... He he probably would have been a little funnier. He would have been. He would have uh, been funny. As he would have been thing. harder to buy as a fighter pilot. But although I mean, what a decade earlier we had Anthony Edwards as one in Top Gun. Mm -hmm. So I guess the level he was a, of he was a real all right. <laughs> all right. So he wasn't actually a pilot. Excuse me. Sorry. You're right. He, he was definitely the beta there. Yeah, he was in the backseat. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I don't know that Matthew Perry. It would have been interesting, well, I, like I, the the the, uh, the the Splinter universe that exists somewhere yeah. where Matthew Perry was in Independence Day is an interesting place that's to be. That's where for, I'm at. That's where for I the rest of his am. career, I think. But in terms of like that moment in yeah. the movie, I don't see that being any better. And so I, who who'd yeah. be your choice? Who'd who'd be your Harry Connick Jr. instead of Harry Connick Jr.? Oh man, give me two seconds to think. That's a that's a real good question. I have to think about who was sort of famous in 1996. I, I just rewatched the X Files episode where, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's about that like the uh, UFO that crashed in the ocean, mm -hmm. and then like the uh, submarine, like the U.S. submarine has to go get it, and there's an uncredited Michael Bublé appearance in that, <laughs> and I just like. <laughs> Just started laughing. So Michael Bublé? No, definitely not. No crooners. Get no. get him out of no there. No crooners. No crooners. Um, you know, you know, I don't know. I I don't have the problem with Harry Connick Jr. That you I don't do. either. I think, like he no, was, I don't he have had, a problem with him because the reason the reason that I I like him is he has that that weird unearned swagger. Yeah. Like you. So Calibro, you're right in that he kind of doesn't deserve to be there. <laughs> but but he thinks he does, and that was perfect for the character. <laughs> right, but I still th I I don't know I like now I'm on this again in this like Splinter universe where Matthew Perry was was right. in this movie, and I feel like we're not seeing him as it because we just see him as. A, but I don't think friend. Matthew Perry goes on to be the serial killer in Copycat after this, or goes on to the thirty years later having his own daytime talk show for a few minutes. Yeah, I guess. That. Oh, I forgot about what that. What about the Covney? Do Covney have done? Um, no, he would have been too like. He's too flat. He's too. He's he's got a. No. He's too dry. That I mean, that character needed to be sort of. You know who would have done a great job? He just would have been too young for it. Sean William Scott. Oh you yeah, know? definitely too young. Oh, yeah, though. yeah, yeah. I no, mean, but, five, yeah. like four years, maybe. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Well, I mean, American Pie was three years later. Three years later, yeah. and he was probably twenty-eight when he was playing yeah. eighteen in that. That's so it could have happened. He could like Stifler would have yeah okay Stifler, I'll give you Stifler Stifler would have been a good yep would have been a good uh, mm -hmm. Harry Connick Jr. But again I don't hate Harry Connick Jr. Give it time. Give it time. <laughs> I'll learn to hate him. Is <laughs> <laughs> from now on every time you watch Independence Day you're going to hate Harry Connick Jr. and you're yeah. going to notice the Empire State Building in the spaceship. That's true. And I also feel it's like I'm things. just yeah yeah that's true. I feel like I'm just like really sticking up for Harry Connick Jr. at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> which like, needlessly so nobody's asking us to defend yeah, Harry no Connick one, Jr. Yeah. 
<laughs> and frankly, I'm surprised that we're talking this much about. We it. have spent a lot of time. I, on, I feel on like Dan's been telling us we need to spend an extra ten minutes on Harry. Connick Another ten minutes yeah. on in Harry your Connick imaginary Jr. head yeah, piece. Yeah. Oh, Dan, what you need us to talk more about Harry? If you're going to pretend to have a have a headpiece, you need to do it upstage. So we can't see. <laughs> <laughs> Cameras can't see that you're not in there. Um, but uh, we we brought up the, the Stifler's age uh, made me think of something else. But Judd Hirsch and Jeff Goldblum, not that far apart in age. They're That's a good not, point. It's not the most egregious example of it. Uh, Judd Hirsch was only he was 18 years older than than Jeff Goldblum, which I suppose having a kid when you're at 18 is not is not the most unusual thing. It's not like. Uh, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery being, yeah. I think it was 12 or 14 yeah. years apart in, in, uh, last crusade. But, um, but I just uh, like Judd Hirsch plays so much older than oh, just 18 years older. He's than. like one of those people who like, you think he's always been old, you know? Yeah. He's yeah, played buddy. somebody's, he's, he's played somebody's like getting up there in age, going to have to start yeah. worrying about him soon. Dad, for, he, he played that age for like 35 years. Still yeah. playing it. He's still yeah. playing it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Fablemans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Still playing it. If it ain't broke, you know? <laughs> no, but that's so, what were their actual ages? Now that I think about it. Uh, let's see. I wrote it down. Where is it? I mean, Jeff, 40, 44 and 61. At the time, huh. well, Jeff Goldblum. So well, first years. of all, Jeff Goldblum's a great forty-four. Like he looks great. He looks great. Uh, yeah. He looks great at sixty, whatever he is yeah. now. Yeah. Currently, still looking great. Yeah. St- still Goldblooming. Yeah. God, yeah, he doesn't look forty-four in that movie. Oh, I gotta ask you this question: Do you guys think that this is peak Goldblum? No, it's good. It's good Goldblum. I, 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 I will argue. I will. I'll, I'll make an argument for peak Goldblum because I'm going to make an argument for plateau Goldblum. I think he was at the same level of he got there with Malcolm in Jurassic Park and stayed there through Malcolm in the Lost World. I totally agree. I totally agree that this is like the plateauing of Dr. Ian Malcolm. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is like the same. This is the same role. He knew what he he had and he was doing it right. And he just kept doing it right. I mean, even thinking about this, we haven't. For like being like one of the co-leads of this movie, we haven't talked about Goldblum like nearly as mu- nearly as much as we talked about Harry Connick. Certainly Jr. <laughs> not. I feel like we owe it to Goldblum at this point. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's like it's a fine Goldblum role, but I don't think it did for him what it did for Will Smith. Dan's asking no. if you guys think that. <laughs> Harry Connick Jr. would have been better in the Goldblum role and Goldblum better in the Harry Connick Jr. Stay role. out of this. Get out of here. <laughs> Stay out of this. We've gone no, too I, far. Yeah, it's, it's Goldblum. I mean, it's Pete Goldblum in the sense that this is exactly what I wanted from my Goldblum. Yeah. And, and still, like now, it's a different Goldblum, right? Now, I, I, I think Grandmaster Goldblum is mm-hmm. is awesome and funny. And, mm-hmm. and frankly, even, even Goldblum, his own show on Disney+, Plus, where he's like his National Geographic show, yeah. is a lot of fun. But point is... In the mid '90s, Goldblum was like the go-to, uh, the go-to brainy blockbuster guy. And the this cool is, nerd. Yeah, and yeah. this is another thing. There's a vein of action movies in the '90s that Independence Day was very much a part of. It's in Stargate, and I actually got to talk to it at FanFest earlier this year. I got to talk to Dean Devlin about this about Stargate. Oh. And there's a vein of action movies where the smart guy was the hero, and yeah. like it wasn't about. You know Schwarzenegger and, and like picture Schwarzenegger throwing lawnmower blades like through people's heads and like blowing everybody, double wielding you know massive rifles or whatever. But then in the '90s, it got to be, to be a point where the Jeff Goldblums of the world they got to save the world by being smart. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, this movie has 
both right you mm-hmm. have like your super cool will smith and then you have your cool nerd jeff Goldblum. you have you know, will smith knocking aliens unconscious yeah. for one hours punch. at a time slightly, one punch. slightly less cool jeff goldblum all right because jeff goldblum has a shirt on the entire time here will smith does not he's in a tank top at one point i feel is he but he doesn't, I think have, he he doesn't well, have he's the, like injured like you know like, no he, like he doesn't sexy, yeah. sexy ian sexy sexy dr malcolm moment right. from like yeah Jurassic that, Park. he doesn't have one of those no, moments. no. the closest he gets he's like spilling on drunk all over the floor yeah um will smith's that there's trap here yeah yeah for yeah. sure absolutely uh but they have good chemistry i like them together well and they were only together for a couple of scenes right yeah, yeah but they, like they really make an impact that's the fun thing about this movie too about about the ensemble nature of the movie is like they're they're really kind of disparate and they all only yeah. have a couple of scenes together yeah. which is but yeah, they, they only really get together quickly. for like the third, right? Like yeah. the last. Yeah. I'm trying to think of when they first meet it. It was at Area have, 51, right? Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. have to meet. They don't. Like, at the. Toward the end of Act Two. Yeah. It's literally after Goldblum's presentation yeah. where he shoots the, the Coke can off yeah. of the thing. Like it's that the first. Their first official meeting is that great line. You really think you can fly this thing? You really think you can do all that bullshit you just said? That's yeah. one of the best lines in the whole movie. Yeah. But, do you really think he punched the president of the United States in the face? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. He wasn't the president then. <laughs> Not when he punched him. That's true. I believe um, it. Yeah, I mean, speaking of great lines, though, like, are there any other great lines? I think they all, all the best lines in this movie belong to Will Smith, don't they? Um, no. I mean, in aside the words, from the speech. In the no. words of my generation, up yours. Oh, God. Fantastic line. Absolutely incredible. As he's literally it, going up there. He's literally going yeah, up no. there. Yeah. It's fantastic. No, that's, <laughs> I think I, I did write that down as much. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's the I, only I, note I made while rewatching. Yeah. <laughs> But again, it was one of those moments where I cheered and it was so stupid, but I'm like, yeah. I will say that that moment, that's another alternate ending moment. Have you, have you seen that? And they actually had previs of that. There, there's a, You can find it somewhere, I, I think, because I, I know that I've seen it. There was a version of the movie that ended with him flying the crop duster. You didn't, you didn't see Randy Quaid at all again until he comes back with the crop duster. Yeah. Um, like all of that stuff about him volunteering, like that was all cut. They all add, they added that later because it was pretty, he had strapped a missile to the crop duster and flew that up theirs. Oh, that's um, funny. I like how they both, yeah, and, he has and the same fate though. Appara- <laughs> yeah. But apparently it was like, it was so weirdly suicidal because the thing yeah. that, 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 that removes is the sacrificial, like the sacrifice element of it. Like yeah. there's no tangible, like I'm doing this for my kids and this is how I'm going to make up for being a deadbeat for so long and all that stuff. And like that energy is completely lost in it because he just shows up and yeah. flies his crop duster with a, basically he like duct taped a missile to it. I, th- yeah. I think is basically what it is. Yeah. That's um, definitely not as good. Cause you also don't get that scene of like the, the government guy going up to his kid and being like, you should be proud of your dad. Yeah. Like that's yeah. a, yeah, that's a great I moment. Am. Yeah. Um, just, just, I'm just really sad that I'm, not Keanu Reeves. I was, yeah. make, I was just gonna make the little Keanu joke. Yeah. But those that, also those are characters that just did not connect with me. The kid, no. like yeah, his family. No. Keanu would have been too big to be Harry Connick Jr. Right? Yeah. In yeah. He would have yeah, been speed. That would have been speed yeah. by then. He would have been turning down speed two at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Right. He was ready. He was ready to not do more speed. <laughs> what your father did was very brave. You should be proud of him. So let's let's talk MVP of the movie. Who's 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 the who's the MVP? There's I think we've talked a lot about uh, Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich, you think? I, I, he, again, he has been chasing this yeah. high for the last thirty years. <laughs> <I> <laughs> he found it again. I yeah. think Roland is such a 
obvious answer for the right reasons because it's probably the right answer but like i don't know it, it's just such a will smith movie i love will smith in this like but he had no song right he didn't he wasn't he wasn't top he wasn't topping the he, he wasn't he topping the, Roland Emmerich we if he wasn't your, topping the billboard charts we and he wasn't the topping the box, yet, o- box right. office but he would be next summer yeah. next yeah. summer he would be at both i'm just trying to say this is this is will smith on his ascent but this is the best f- year of Roland Emmerich's life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I that, but it, that speaks to Roland Emmerich, though, in terms of like, but in ter- we've talked a lot about a lot of different people, and there's a big ensemble energy, both on screen and behind the camera, too, like with everybody that works mm-hmm. on all the miniatures and everything. But the one person re- most responsible for this movie being great, Roland Emmerich? Yeah. I mean, there's also Dean Devlin, though. Because yeah, I mean, Devlin wrote it, right? But like, yeah. Emmerich, Emmerich, Emmerich yeah. also yeah. had to fight for Will Smith, right? Like, there's yeah. in that, like, they didn't think that this would be as marketable of a movie with a black lead. And like, to Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin's credit, like, they fought for Will Smith. Yeah. And like, man, God, I would have. There are a few things better than saying I told you so and telling everybody at Fox that after this movie. Yeah. Would have had to feel awesome yeah i mean i will i'll give it to you on that point because i can't imagine anyone else in that role but will smith like it wouldn't have been as cool like you could you could maybe i can't even i like there are a bunch of action stars in that day but it's like wesley snipes might have been able to do it but he wouldn't have been as charming no and he like his character is so charming so i'll I'll give you i'll say i'll agree with you on roland but will smith one of the other names that was up instead of will smith ethan hawk see that would not have been nearly as and i love ethan hawk almost stephen hiller Nah, no, don't that, do that, it. That, that do it for me. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's too like Ethan Hawke is. I mean at the time in '96, like when was the when was before sunset or before sunrise? Googling. That was, bef- was I it mean, before. I mean it was prior to this. I'm trying to think of this? what yeah. Ethan Hawke had done. Was sunrise Gat- was '95. What was Gattaca? Before sunrise, so he he was coming. He would be coming straight off of before sunrise oh. to do Independence Day. So he's like like hipster European vacation guy at this point. Yeah. He's too cool for this. He's too cool for this. He's reality bites Ethan Hawke right yeah. now. Yeah. 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 And, and it also it's just too... wouldn't have been as cool in the movie. Right. There's no, there's no swagger to Ethan Hawke at that point no. yeah. that, that Will Smith has. Um, good, good choices all around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, so Roland Emmerich gets the MVP because he was responsible for even having Alex's MVP in the first place. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and I'll get, I'll, I'll concede and to that. Does, there's, a, there's a cold yeah. logic to that. Yeah. I like it. And yeah. just like, again, he, he wrote this movie on f-ing vacation, came back, dropped it, you dropped, can tell, it though. dropped it off, and had a green light the next f-ing day. Like, and then he didn't f*** it up, nope. which is not something you could say <laughs> for any other movie he's made since. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can tell know. that script I, was hastily listen, written, though. I will, sit, <laughs> I will sit here and tell you that I had a great time when I went to go see Moonfall in theaters. All right? But I, it is... <laughs> Still haven't seen it. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, it's this is a situation where, and I can imagine we're going to run into this on a lot of these movies, but this is uh, that we talk about on the show. Um, but this is a, a situation of, a, of the right guy with the right idea in the right place, yeah. getting the right amount of rope to do whatever he wants with, right? Like, and he didn't yeah. hang himself, and he did not hang himself. Yeah, I would argue that he hasn't. He hasn't yet. Like all of his movies are exactly what they are. Yeah. You know, like you know what I, I feel like all of his movies turned out exactly the way he wanted them to <laughs> but this one is roland emmerich has never made a mistake <laughs> no he's like if you ask him i doubt yeah, it I, yeah no regrets yeah yeah um, none whatsoever yeah no i would agree i uh just for just to be different honestly my mvp is judd hirsch 
What? I love Judd Hirsch in this movie so much. But the MVP? No, but here's why. I, I think there's so all these all these movies, especially sci-fi movies, big big weird sci-fi movies, like you you need like that audience surrogate mm-hmm. character, right? That 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 one character that's in here there to say like, isn't this weird, guys? Yeah. Like, but literally the entire cast is shocked by what's happening. Mm-hmm. And Judd Hirsch is an example of he's doing the same function of that audience surrogate, but the opposite way. He's like, why are you guys so weirded out by this? Like, yeah. Why, are, why is anybody surprised? Like, you know, area 51. Yeah. And so like, he's so weirdly encouraging and weirdly a, a, an audience surrogate in kind of the opposite way that we usually get that. I think it's, it's a legitimately fascinating role and he's so funny yeah. all the time. I love him. That's a. I still don't agree because I just feel like there's so many other more important players in this movie. But I really enjoy that argument. Great. Yeah. I love, That's what we're I, love, yeah. I love your love of Judd Hirsch. Yeah. yeah I'm not going to argue <laughs> with that. Yeah. But no one, and let us be clear, no one has said Henry Connick Jr. Or Harry, for that matter. Or Harry. <laughs> you want to say it again? I'm editing this. We can say it again. Harry, Harry, Harry has... Uh, Harry had like five lines. Henry Connick Jr. had like double the lines of Harry and had half the impact. That was perfect. Though. Yeah, that was great. Uh, well, I, David. I'm sorry to I say you, you guys can't. are. Yeah, Harvey Firestein having. Um, I mean, he was he was great in a way that we've seen before. Like mm-hmm. he was great. Yeah, I love yeah. It. But that we, we, that function in a movie is a very familiar function. And Judd Hirsch's, I think, was was subtly tweaked you, in a really say, interesting way. You could say it you could say it's a Harvey Firestein function. When when was uh when was uh, Mrs. Doubtfire? Was that was prior, that before? Was yeah, that was only yeah. prior. I mean, Early same, 90s. same function. Yeah. 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 He's great. You know He's doing a lot of people are just doing their thing in this movie. Yeah, I like mean that's what they well, do that's, again. Goldblum doing Goldblum. Right. Yeah. There's there's some typecast people, but not in not in a in a bad way. No, no. yeah. yeah. It's, Play to your strengths. Yeah, it's it's putting the right people in the, in a, in a good position to succeed. Yeah, I'm here for the Roland Emmerich is story. Is the the Roland Emmerich story? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, fine. Listen, finally, we've got time for uh, one more segment, um, and it's the of course. Calibro, this is your. Do you want to intro this segment? Since it's yours. Oh, I didn't oh. know it was a Calibro. Is it, is this the Nicholas Cage segment? Yeah. This is a segment. Okay, so starting with the second episode, we'll let you. All right. Since we didn't talk, we didn't plan that before this, but uh, this is the segment that we do immediately uh, before the end of our show. How would this movie be better with Nicolas Cage, and where would you put him? Well, this is an easy answer. Now, see, the problem here is is that Nicolas Cage would, by this point in time, be too successful to take the role that you all know I'm going to say he should take. Yeah. Which is the Henry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. Harry, Harry. Harry. Connick Jr. Henry Connick Jr. Harvey, Harvey, Henry. Harvey Connick Firestein. Yeah. <laughs> I just like to think you hate him so much that you're yeah, purposely you're, getting you're his actively name right. refusing to get his name right. So, yeah. so like you know, like Nicolas Cage, he'll come in there, he'll have a few funny good lines, mm-hmm. you know, and then he's out. And then you can buy him as a fighter pilot yeah. because he was in that shitty fucking helicopter movie that was a shameless. F- Top Gun clone. What the hell was the name of that? <laughs> don't know. Uh, hey, Dan, what was the name Dan? of that? I don't know. He'll get back to you. Yeah. 
But anyway, he could do it. And this is like peak yeah. 90s. This would have been the actual same year as Zorak. So there was no way he couldn't have done it because he was too busy being Goodspeed or Godspeed, whatever the hell his character Yeah, the Rock, the Rock was uh, – but also like National Treasure, I think. Wasn't, wasn't that? That don't, was later. Don't bring that. Don't no, bring no, that I'm sorry. I'm this. sorry. That was a – that's prep for a different episode of this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, yeah, the rock was also 96. Yeah. yeah. But I guess like what I'm trying to say is like, uh, while that heart, Nicholas cage would have been a great Henry Connick, Harry Connick yeah. jr. I don't disagree. I would say, yeah. Uh, yeah um, let's go with uh, honeymoon in Vegas, Nicholas cage, mm -hmm. not le leaving Las Vegas, Nicholas cage. That's yes. the, that's the Nick cage that, that also he could have, he could have gold bloomed. For yeah. sure. That's the thing. He, he could have gold bloomed, but he, he would be gold blooming. But he you was, know? He he was Stanley Good. This, the Goodspeed was the, the same. No. Goodspeed was the same year. So he yeah. was kind of doing that nerdy action hero. Yeah. He, was, exactly. he was participating mm -hmm. in that nerdy action hero he, yeah. uh, thing. I, he could do it, but I don't think it would be as good. Well, I it was called The Rock. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's it was, in the criteria. And one of these it movies was is good. It, one of these movies is in the Criterion oh, Collection. If The Rock is in the Library of Congress and Independence Day isn't, <laughs> The Rock was my first date, by the way. Really? What? Um, I wouldn't get a date for another ten years. My, yeah. Yeah. my older sister great. had to drive us there and buy the tickets. <laughs> um, I just so. I think I think David is kind of the no-brainer role uh, for that point in his career, but mm -hmm. but I do think you remember Executive Decision, yes, and how all of the marketing for Executive Decision was this is a Steven Seagal movie, and then he dies like three minutes into the to the movie, yeah. You do that with Nicolas Cage in the Harry Connick Jr. role. Yeah. Like you're expecting Nicolas oh. Cage to to be punching out aliens yeah. as well. But I then do. he dies and you're like, oh, God, I didn't see that yeah. coming at all. That's one thing I love when there's a big star and you expect them to have a huge role mm -hmm. and then they die. Like I love when that happens. Just like Steven Seagal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I would have liked they, that. I will, also, I will also say just just picture, and this is going to be my, my, my uh, alternative to either David or Harry. I think Harry Connick Jr.'s role is the Reverend. Have we have we said his actual character's name? No, we no. have not. I think it was uh, <laughs> Jimmy. Let's go with Jimmy. Um, <laughs> buy it. The good as the good Reverend says uh, that whole thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, of Henry Connick Jr. Yes, Harry. Harry Wait, what's his real name? It's now? Harry Connick. It's Harry. It's Harry. Okay. It's Harry. <laughs> so, but I do like just picture for a second. The today we celebrate our Independence Day speech uh, as delivered by Nicolas Cage. I mean, I would like to see it, but I don't want it to be replaced. Port a call, Nicolas Cage? I don't... It, come on. Why no, not? Bill Pullman I, I mean, it time, I guess eventually we're going to get to a movie that's older, that uh, that predates Nicolas Cage, so we're going to have to yeah. time travel him a little bit. Um, Which I'm willing to do. Yeah, I think I'm fine with it. Yeah. I don't know. Having said no, that... You, that I, I you know what? Too straight of a character can't... I'm, I'm not... I, he needs to, he needs not, to, not, he needs to match. I'm not interested in seeing him be serious about anything. Yeah. <laughs> I think I any of the roles not, I would cast him in would be too small for him. I wouldn't put him as Goldblum. I wouldn't put him as Pullman. I would not put put him as Smith. Like those are those are roles I would right. guess. Harry Connick. That, and I would be fine with that. Yeah. I would, I'm not mad about it. What, what about okay, Randall Henry? What about, about Randy Quaid? No, Nicholas Cage. Oh, I mean, Nicholas Cage wait, being a, a drunk crop duster. Yeah, is would, not bad. You know, yeah. as much as I like Randy Quaid in that, yeah, 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 I wouldn't be mad about Nick Cage in that. Would would face off Nick Cage, uh, Troy Caster, Caster Troy, or Caster Troy? That's it. Would it be Caster Troy, Nick Cage, or Sean Archer, Nick Cage in Caster Troy's face? Do you're, you want Nicholas Cage, or do you want brain. Nicholas Cage doing a John Travolta impression? 
<laughs> no, I don't. I don't want Nicholas Cage. I, I, the, the, all the memes from Face Off come from the part, come from the moments when Nicholas Cage is being you Nicholas Cage. Cage. You know what's yeah. great about this is like I'm just we're just going to use this footage, the same conversation for every one of these. Episodes. I yeah, every single segment is just like, <laughs> like I don't know. What about Face Off? Yeah. Um, I look. I'll be. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't think. I don't think Independence Day gets any better with Nicholas Cage. I. I just. I, think, I, I think demonstrated you, a very credible reason why highlighting I I've spent the last hour and a half highlighting its major fault and then I think I conclusively <laughs> really I think I've conclusively yeah. proved that Nicolas Cage would in fact have made that tiny bit better. Okay. Yeah. All right. No. All right. If, if he if he if he makes the Reverend whatever his name is it doesn't uh, it doesn't matter Hen- if you make Harry Connick if you Jr. make Henry's Henry, death Henry death <laughs> Henry well, death if you make Harry Connick Jr.'s death ten percent more impactful than sure. yeah. I guess. I want, well, now I'm also thinking about him in the Randy Quaid role. Like that would be pretty entertaining. His kids would have to be younger. That's yeah, fine. That, that, those kids. Oh, I guess if we're time traveling, Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah. Either one of those little, roles. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm willing to concede. doesn't have much of an impact here. No, yeah. we could. Yeah. I, I'm willing to concede either of those roles to Nicolas Cage. I think. Yeah. I think it'd be good. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So so it would be better with Nicolas Cage is the general consensus. I feel like that's going to be the answer to most of these episodes. But okay. Um, that's the joke. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't tell him that. (laughs) Um. So listen, I uh, I think it's time. Any any other closing thoughts on Independence Day before we get to? I guess we can wrap these closing thoughts up into where the movie landed on your personal list, Calibro. It Did you have land, it in your top 100? Didn't land anywhere on my list. Holy crap! Why not? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I guess, here, here's you know what? <laughs> because we of have, Harry, we you actually, know why? We actually haven't talked about. We've talked about this, but not on tape, right? Which is like, this is at the like, this is a good movie. I would go as far as to say it is a great movie. Mm-hmm. But is it one of the hundred greatest movies of all time? At least to me, no. But this is like. If this was the bar for modern Hollywood, mm-hmm. we would be in a golden era of cinema just like we were in 1996. Yep. yep. It, there if this were the uh if this were the level to which all other movies needed to get before we they were released. Yeah. Yeah. We'd be we'd be in great shape. Yeah. yeah. But I, that being said, I I think it is I I think it is well north of the baseline myself. Did you have it on your top 100? It's not on my oh, list. No, you and and there's like, you know, I, I I think as we go through this little experiment of ours, there's going to be movies where I watch and I'm just like, oh, why didn't I put that on my list? But this I, is not one. This of them. is not one of them. I'm not going to lose any sleep by not having independence. Not having independence on your list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so, like, yeah, it's 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 fun. It's good. It's it's not a bad movie. It's just yeah, like I agreed. It's not one of the top 100 movies of all time. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's one of is it one of Clint's top 100 movies of all time? It is. I mean, it, it, I hope it is because how the hell did it end up on our? <laughs> it's all Dan. This is crazy I'm, Dan man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no, so so confused. What's gonna happen? Uh, when, I'm gonna wait for Dan to tell me in in my ear if he had it on his list. What's oh, gonna What's gonna but, happen when we have to do with a, a episode that's only on Dan's list? <laughs> <laughs> it's all just I, I'm, about I'm gonna be sick that day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call in sick that day. No, so Dan did not have it on his list either. That's all entirely Clint joint. Yep. Yep. Wow. Where, where's it at on the Clint list? Number fifteen. Whoa. <laughs> All right. That's, so this, that's high enough. This, according to Dan's Independence algorithm. Day, we get to talk about in the first episode of a brand new show. <laughs> Solely on the strength of me thinking it's the 15th best movie of all time. <laughs> I love that for us. Listen, like Independence Day, this is the other thing about These the These are two hours people are never going to get back. <laughs> Independence Day in mid-90s for, for young Clint Gage. Uh, this was like one of the last movies I went to go see in the theater mm-hmm. a bunch. 
right? Like I I saw this in the theater upwards of 12, 15 times probably. Yeah, probably because like, you didn't pay attention to it the first time because it was a date. <laughs> no, that was the rock. Um, oh, that was a rock. So, wow. So, uh, and let's, let's see. I'm waiting to hear where it landed oh, uh, on the algorithmic list. Yeah, um, it's going to reveal a lot about the algorithm. Okay. Dan's computing some math Dan, right Dan's, now. Dan, according to Dan's math, it shows up on only one of the four lists, but pretty, but frankly, it, perfectly at number 15. Uh, that that puts it to number 84. 84. Not Independence fair. episode one, number 84. <laughs> We're starting with number All 84 right, in episode <laughs> one plan here? <laughs> with Independence Day. So yeah. that's according uh, to the Cinefix Top 100. Uh, there are only 83 better movies than Independence Day. That's per some algorithm that we will never understand. Ain't that the truth? But I'm, I'm, you know, again, like I was saying earlier, I, 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 my top 100 is, is a personal list. So if it's, it's a, it's a formative Clint Gage movie, it should be there. Yeah. It's, I mean, I can't think of, I I mean, I can think of 14 movies that I like better, (laughs) but not, I mean, that's not many. Like Independence Day is a movie that I have loved for, you know, since I was, I saw it as a, what, let me do some math myself here, like 15. Yeah. So like, I, I have loved this movie for close to 30 years now. Yeah. And I will continue, goddammit. Yeah. It probably could have got to 82 without Henry Connick Jr., though. <laughs> because it <laughs> would have showed Connick up. As, it would have yeah. just snuck <laughs> into it. It would have been number 100 for yeah. you. Because like, you would have felt it. You would have just if been it, like, if you yeah. just had Matthew Perry. Yeah. All right. Well, that is, uh, that's an episode of Cinefix Top 100, guys. Thanks for for launching this thing with me. Ah, this has been fun. This is going to be fun. It's going to continue to be fun. I hope. So where can I uh, where can I tell my mom to find this uh, to yeah, find this podcast? Well. Yeah, I, I hope it's on Cinefix. <laughs> that's what <laughs> Not I was, at all. That's what I was told. Listen, if you're if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, you're also watching Cinefix. So that's uh, that's where you can find us. Um, but for the next episode, episode two. We're going to be watching another movie from the top 100, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Ooh. Ooh. How about that for a double feature of Independence Day it's and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Hell of a double feature, yeah. I like it. Yeah. One blows up your brain, one blows up buildings. Yeah, that'll be the challenge is to yeah. just really One's find One's going to help me line. scrub my memory of Harry Connick Harry Jr. Jr. Yeah, that's is that goal. where you would go? You would do the Eternal Sunshine <laughs> for... Just to forget the fact that Harry Connick Jr. was in Independence Day. <laughs> I would love to picture a scene where you're just like, it, where they're like, you know, kind of crap. crap Ruffalo, talking. I'm going to need you to come by right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get Ruffalo and Dunst over yeah. here. I got to get rid of something. Um, okay. Well, thanks again, guys. And thank you for watching. Come back next week. We're going to watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And we'll talk. Well, we're not going to watch it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to yeah. watch it between now and then, I hope. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's the it. show. Bye, everybody. Terrible outro. Celebrate your independence. That works. Today, we celebrate our Our Independence Day. And by our Independence Day, I mean the movie Independence Day. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities, who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Uh Uh-uh. Not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. 
Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialised in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often? Every night.